It's the Loop and Larry Season 5 Finale, and we're ending big. Join us as we explore the root of Larry's lifelong fear of potato sacks and pitchforks as we dive deep into the 1981 horror classic, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. In a world filled with intergalactic space battles, metahuman destruction on a global scale, and psychopathic serial hauntings, there's only one team who can make sense of it all. When your world is overrun with rampant pop culture, call Lumen Berry Guardians of Geek. Yeah. <laughs> Season five finale explosion. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 65. Welcome everybody to Loop and Larry, Guardians of Geek. Uh, I'm Loop. And I'm Larry. And uh, we're excited. This is our final episode of the season. Yes. It's been a it's been a good season. We've been quite productive this season, I have to say. Yeah. We slacked off for the first four seasons, but then season five kicked in. And we were like shooting with all barrels. Is that a term? Shooting with all I barrels? I don't know if that's a term. Oh, I, don't I don't think that's a term. So we've done about 11. Right. Ep- I think this is our 11th episode of the season because we started with episode 54. Right. Okay. So not bad. Not bad. Right. For if us, my math is correct, we've done 11 this season. So, And I don't do math, so I'm going to go along with whatever you say. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. It's like I don't read. I don't read. I don't do math. I, I'm not very smart. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I was just looking back and I'm like, I forgot like our first episode of the season was Captain America, which seems like so long ago. Holy cow. But that was last like, year. That was on uh, October 3rd last year. That was our first episode of the season. Wow. Wow. Well, this, that's crazy. It, it has been it has been a wild and crazy season. We've had guests uh, on this season. Yeah. We talked about like ranged from superheroes to horror to tv to like it's just the range has been fantastic i would say we've covered (laughs) one of the best seasons ever (laughs) ever ever (laughs) when the reviewers start uh, piecing us together putting our seasons in order of best to worst number five is going to be right up there near the top i feel like (laughs) (laughs) we'll see well let's just you know let's just jump right into it let's just go to top pop right now all right hey kids it's time Right, this is top pop, and we—it's just sort of things that we're like looking at throughout the the last couple months, and things that we're interested in that have to do with the, the with geekdom. And uh, there's a couple a couple things we're gonna talk about. We're gonna talk about the Flash, but before we do that, you have a really cool story that you didn't tell in the last podcast, but I, I really want to hear it because I I saw some of your photos and it looked awesome. Okay, so I, I we talked about this before on on previous podcasts in previous seasons. Uh, but my son and I are huge fans of the It franchise. And uh, so where we live in London, Ontario, is about three hours drive from Port Hope, Ontario, which is where they shot a good portion of It and It Chapter 1 and It Chapter 2. And so each each after each of those movies, uh, my son and I, or sorry, during shooting of each of those movies, my son and I made the trek. We we drove out to Port Hope to see what we could see. It's a small town. It's a beautiful little town. So we've, we've done that twice. Um, and we, we got 
to see the props. We got to see, we didn't get there on any shooting days, so there was nothing happening, but we got to see the town dressed as um, Derry, Maine, the setting of it yeah um, which was really cool we and because there was nobody there we could like touch the props and 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 it was and it was pretty exciting so we've this has become no touching our, i don't know stop a, touching there's a lot of we ignored all that <laughs> so no fondling sort of, of the props <laughs> oh there was a lot of fondling of props i'll tell you that <laughs> so when we went uh i guess it would have been almost five years ago now uh for it chapter two we were there on a on a in between days that they were shooting, so all the props were there. So we spent the day looking around, looking in windows, taking pictures, whatever. We were just leaving my son and I, and we were walking down the main street towards our car, and a car pulled up sort of beside us to park alongside of the street, and a gentleman got out of the car, and he's a really he was a really tall guy, and he was wearing this really unique looking camera around his neck. It's it was like a box that had three lenses on it, so it caught my eye. I was like, what is that? Like, why? That, that's an odd thing um, that this gentleman is wearing on the street. Anyway, he walked right past us and we kept going. And I got into the car and we started driving away and we were halfway home. It's a three hour drive. And I realized that that man was Andy Muschietti, who's the director of. Direct oh, yeah. So he walked right by us. I noticed him. I saw his camera and I didn't recognize who it was. And it, so. It was one of those moments that haunted me for for five years, and it actually made me, it actually made it difficult for me to watch the the movies because I'm I'm so starstruck. I get so starstruck, and when that sort of thing happens and you miss an opportunity, it it does it sticks with yeah. me. And so I actually for five years, like I still watch the movies and whatever, but I I just had this like twinge of regret that I didn't say anything to him for five years. Okay, so fast flash forward to uh, a few weeks ago uh, in 2023 now, and they are uh, they they've announced the spinoff show called Welcome to Dairy, which is a TV show for HBO Max, which is now called Max. So it's a a Max show that comes out in 2024, I believe. Yes, 2024. Um, and so we saw this was coming, and we assumed, well, since it's a sequel, they're going to be shooting more at Port, at Port Hope. So my son and I were like following all of the Port Hope uh, social media channels and all of that. And we noticed that the Port Hope uh, City Hall posted a notice of filming and said these particular days are uh, the main streets going to be closed for filming um, of a TV show. And um, they gave it a, a, a different name. And now I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was like a, a pseudonym. So people didn't know what they were shooting, but everybody knew. Anyway, so we're like, oh, my gosh, this is that's like next week. Um, and uh, they were going to be shooting up there. So it turned out my son wasn't working one of those days. I took the day off work. We thought, let's just go. We'll go up there. We'll see what's happening. We're actually going to go on a day we know that they're shooting and see what happens. And we thought, why not just bring some things with us, like the It book and maybe a Funko Pop? You know, who knows who's going to be there? Right. Maybe the start of the show. Anyway, so we get there and we're walking around and we're doing our thing. We see them. They're actually filming. So they've got the whole set and cameras and lights and they look like Hollywood, which was so exciting. Um, and so we watched some of the scenes being shot. 
we were there for about five and a half hours on this street. And surprisingly, there were only maybe three or four other fans there. Um, so yeah. and I, I was actually wearing this shirt. <laughs> so I was obviously a fan. Um, and uh, so we were just hanging around and then they broke for lunch. So we hear, you know, okay, that's it. We're uh, breaking for lunch. We'll be back in an hour. And so we're just like, okay, well, we'll just hang around and we'll just maybe go have lunch or whatever. So my son says, well, why don't we just stand here for a second and just see who comes out of buildings? Because the the um, a lot of the action was happening inside of buildings. So we couldn't really see it. We could just hear directions because they had speakers outside. So we're like, okay, let's just stand here and see what happens. So we stood there for like three minutes and who should walk out of the door but Andy Muschietti walks out of this this oh, that's cool. far front and we're standing there and i look over i'm like oh there he is oh you peed your pants for sure you know, that a happened. little bit i totally okay, did yep. and so i actually turned and i mouthed to him i didn't even say out loud i said are you andy <laughs> like oh my god i said are you andy and he said yep and he walked right over to us and was the nicest guy in the world. He was. Oh, that's he, cool. He stood for probably five or six minutes talking to him about like telling him this story about how we had been there before and how much we loved the, the, um, the, his movies. And, uh, we're really excited about this, this new, um, movie coming up. Um, anyway, so he, when he approached us, he wasn't with his handler, like his, his assistant. So he was, Starting to, he realized how big a fan, big fans we were. He started telling us stuff he probably shouldn't have. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that's cool. I was asking him questions, like because I wanted to know, but I was like, I'm sure he's not going to be able to tell me. So I said, Do you know how many seasons this show is going to be? And he said, It's going to be three. So it's it's three seasons. They're capping it at three seasons. And he said, Then he said, Season one takes place in um, 1963. Um, season two takes place. In uh, 1923, no, 20, 27 years earlier. I can't now. I yeah, because he not, comes, he appears every 27 every years. 27 or years. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then the last season takes place in the 1800s, like 27 years. So they're going. Each season goes back in time. Um, just a little so, bit. Okay. Just well, 27 years. So it's not. It doesn't lead up to the movies. It goes backwards from the movies to oh, the. Oh, that's origin. cool. So the season three will will uh be all about the origin of pennywise where he came from how he came to earth how he became the clown all of that so you'll end with like seeing how he became who he was which was really cool and i don't know if he was supposed to to tell us that information because by this point his his uh um assistant was over there and so then i said um okay so what about bill skarsgård because bill skarsgård at this point had not signed on um, and everything that we had read up to the, this point was that he was not a part of the movie or a part of the TV show, which doesn't make any sense because he is Pennywise. Like there's no, yeah. nobody else could play that character, like the way his mouth looks. Anyway, so I was like, what about Bill Skarsgård? And he said, oh yeah, he's in, he's in. We just haven't, we just haven't quite closed the deal yet, but we're working on this. At which point his, his assistant says, no, 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 no. <laughs> yep. I think we've said enough. <laughs> I think, I think it's time. Time to go. Uh, we don't really want to get in trouble here. So. <laughs> but he would have like told us all kinds of stuff. Like he was literally the nicest guy in the world. I was so, <laughs> so we were so redeemed. And so we got a picture with him 
He signed uh, our copy of Stephen King's book. He signed our uh, Funko Pop. Um, it was it was like totally redeemed the uh, the whole five years of regret that I had. Oh my god, that's <laughs> hilarious. Was, it was that was a that was a pretty huge moment. It didn't did he, did he say to your son, "Thanks for bringing your special friend," and you're like. <laughs> i've seen you in action around celebrities and it's not good (laughs) i don't don't even know the whole thing's a blur to me but yeah i would have oh it was like and then for like an an hour afterwards i couldn't i was like walking into walls i tripped over the sidewalk that's what i figured yeah yeah, I couldn't I couldn't function for like an hour afterwards. <laughs> anyway, so that was that was my big my big redemption. And now I can watch the movies in peace and happiness and really looking forward to oh, and he also said that the uh show doesn't come out until I think he said October of twenty twenty four. So he said yeah, we've got some time to wait. <laughs> so it'll be That's a while. awesome. And it'll be like ten episodes per per season. So yeah, that we've got some time to wait. But anyway. That was a huge moment for me. I it got it. It just it cleared up all the all the regret that I ever had in my life. <laughs> and speaking oh of, God. he is also the director of the new Flash movie. So it, which I, we both have seen. Segue. Yeah. Yes, it's a good segue. However, at the time, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that, so I didn't say anything to him about Flash, unfortunately. But anyway, we have both seen Flash. Yeah. So, so this is spoiler alert. If you've seen, haven't seen it yet, just. We'll uh, we're gonna, we'll give like a really brief like sort of like review yeah. of it, but the uh, just so you know, we we will be giving some spoilers in this review. So, um, yes. the uh, so what as a DC fan, what did you think? I I like obviously I'm not like a massive DC fan. I mean, most yeah. of the characters in it, I knew who they were because they've been introduced yes. prior. But what, what was your uh, your take of it? I loved this movie. I was I I wasn't sure going in because I mean. DC doesn't have a great track record when it comes to these kinds of movies. I mean, there's obviously the Batman and Joker that are DC movies, but they were sort of different. They were sort of standalone in their own universe. So when it comes to like the the Marvel DC movies, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) They haven't done so well. So I wasn't really sure. Um, But the whole Michael Keaton uh, thing really drew me in. And I was, I was like, I got to see this because I love those movies like the tim burton batman is just yeah excellent and and quite honestly i mean aside from adam west uh michael keaton is my favorite batman <laughs> like he's yeah. just i just think he was awesome so having him in there was great and so i just i loved this movie i thought it was so fun um they finally made a fun dc movie that had a lot of emotion but it was funny like laugh out loud funny sometimes and then all the cameos that they put in there, like literally virtually everybody who's ever played Batman made an appearance. Pretty much yeah. everybody who's ever played Superman made an appearance. And some people who didn't even play Superman on the big screen. Made or or that were rumored at one point to play yes. Superman. Yeah. Which was so cool. Like, I mean, again, spoiler alert, we're going to say some things, but Nicolas Cage appears in this thing. And yes. as soon as I saw him on screen, I was like, that is awesome that they actually gave him his scene, <laughs> the scene that he was supposed to have uh at like that fighting that spider was the, supposed to be the end of the movie that he was uh, going to make and never yeah. did so that was really cool i just loved that and seeing the the uh 1989 batmobile i enjoyed it for the most part i thought some of it was like 
I wasn't big on the two berries. Like the, I found the way he played the second berry really obnoxious. Like it was almost too much. I just found I just wanted to punch him in the face. Like it wasn't enjoyable because of that. Like the way he He overplayed him. He was pretty over the top, the alternate berry. Yeah, he kind of was. But I didn't, somehow I didn't mind. Like I, I could see, I could see how you would. Like if you didn't like that, that would be a problem. I can see that. But I yeah, I just found that. that other than that, I thought the movie was pretty solid, start to finish. Um, yeah. It was uh, it had some fun, really fun moments in it. I, I I think they had a lot of problems going into it. I mean, I know it's kind of bombed, I guess, and and considering how it, it, it the the money it like it hasn't made yet compared to what it cost. But um, I can see like I mean, there's a lot of factors going into it, like uh, like why it, it would bomb, like. But I think the biggest thing that hurt it, I mean, other than um, the, who's the lead actor again? Who's all the trouble? Yeah, all the trouble he got into. But it was them announcing the the new DC movies before this came out. Because now it's like, is this part of anything, or is it like, it, like I didn't really know what the connection was anymore. If they're doing this DC universe, so it seemed like a throwaway movie at this point. Like what they're saying is that the first DCU character is this is the Blue Beetle. Um, because the Blue Beetle movie comes out, I think, in end of July or August. And James Gunn has said that the, the Blue Beetle is the first DCU character. And I don't know exactly what that means, but because he was not in this movie. So I don't know if this was a standalone movie or I, you're right. Like, I don't know where this falls. And that's the problem with that DC is having is that their movies are sort of like all over the place. Like, they don't seem to connect and they're not. And they kind, and they kind of connect. And kind it's... of. But they're they're trying too hard to be Marvel, and they're not they're failing. <laughs> like, and I yeah. hate to say that because I'm a DC fan, but they are, and I think that's the problem is that you just like they don't they would be fine if they just committed to making standalone movies. Just make this Flash movie; it's a standalone movie done. Then make a Blue Beetle standalone movie done. Like it's the trying to connect everything the way that that. Uh, um, Marvel did that's throwing it I think because they've already yeah. made a Justice League movie like they've done the Justice League like that should yeah. have been at the end of this not at the beginning yeah. <laughs> stick to the characters we know again at least at the beginning like I don't know who Blue Beetle is I have no idea who that character is no I don't either I'm a I'm a DC guy and I I don't know the Blue Beetle like I'm I my DC background is Batman Superman Wonder Woman Aquaman like like the Justice League like yes yes Exactly. And I don't, and that's really all I care about. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like there's just so many, that. like Marvel's yeah. been able to get away with it because they started with those main characters and kind of yeah. like, then they started introducing a few side ones and even Marvel's getting a little out there with their side characters too. Like they, I don't need, yes. like, there's a lot of them. I'm just not overly interested in. I don't want to say this is the beginning of the end for superhero movies because I don't think it is. I, I mean, it's still happening, <laughs> but, and yeah. the DC, he was just starting essentially again. So I don't know where it's going, but I'm just like, I'm just worried. I, I really, I really at this point only care about the core people <laughs> like the, Batman. Yeah, and that's the same here. And, and like Marvel stores a few in their back pocket. Like they haven't put out the fantastic four yet. And there's a few right. other big comics that haven't been done yet, but generally yeah. most of them have like kind of been out there at least in some capacity, but yeah. we'll see. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it, it's a, it's a, it's just it's over super it's like oversaturated i think is what's yes. happened with like between you got those plus you got like invincible and all these other super on the boys and like there's just yeah. too much of it at this point they gotta like pull it back a little bit but yeah i, I think know. so and this is coming from two guys who love 
like yeah. the comics. I, I love and, them, and I, I probably continue was, still to love them. Like the new, yeah. I, I watched the new Marvel series, um, Secret Invasion, like the first episode, oh, yeah. and I loved it. But it was like, again, there's just so much going on. I'm like, holy cow! Like it's just, but anyways, yeah. Yeah, we'll keep watching it, but we just won't be as quite as enthusiastic as we once were. <laughs> oh, we will, but it's <laughs> oh, we will. we're just worried. That's all. We're just a little worried. That's that's all it's it a is. Concerned. Yeah. I'm also James. a little worried about our our next pick, the pop capacitor. This is Lawrence's pick, and it's coming up right now. Let's check it out. All right, here we are. It's the pop capacitor. And last week, so this is where we always look at like a movie or TV show or toy or whatever it is from our past, see if it still stands up. Uh, last week, we decided to do a two-parter. This is a bit of a weird one, but there's always those movies that you that you loved as a kid. You bought as an adult, like on, you saw it on DVD or on Blu-ray, you bought it, still haven't watched it yet. And you, but you have very fond memories of it. But then this is our opportunity to grab those off the shelf, watch them and kind of go, did I like this or did I not like this? I don't know. <laughs> so um, this, so last week we did, or last week, last episode, um, we did uh, Megaforce, which was my pick. And I actually super enjoyed it. I, I it was better than I thought it was as a kid. And yeah. this was um, Larry's pick this time. So Larry, what did you pick? Okay, so I picked a made-for-TV movie that came out in 1981 called Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Um, and so let me give you a little bit of background of this movie. Okay, so I've got to read this because I want to get it all, all the facts right. Um, so it came out in 1981. It was a made-for-TV uh, horror film directed by veteran novelist Frank DeFolita de um, from a script by J.D. Fiegelson. So Fiegelson essentially had intended to make a, a feature length film out of this script. Um, but the, but CBS TV bought the script and decided to make it for TV and they actually barely changed it. So what we see in the, in the TV show is what would have been in a movie theater, um, which explains some of the graphicness of it, <laughs> but it, I mean, it, it's still made for TV. Um, so it premiered on CBS on October 24th, 1981 um, and it's very, it was very hard for me to find any more information about whether it re-aired. Um, I found one a piece of information that said it may have re-aired uh, once again in 1985, um, right. on TV, but it, but that I, it, it's very hard to, for me to pinpoint that. So I don't know for sure, but it did air October 24th. So I was 10 years old and I remember watching this, like I actually watched it on October 24th, 1981 when it came out. Um, so a little bit more information. So Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, it was, so it was shot in 17 days. So the whole two hour movie was shot in 17 days. It was originally scheduled for 18 days, but they had an onset fire that prevented them shooting one of those days, but they got okay. it done anyway. It was released on VHS in the mid eighties. Uh, but then it wasn't re it wasn't released on like DVD or, or Blu-ray until or DVD until 2010. Um, and then it was given another, uh, release, a final release of like a 30th anniversary in 2012. And that's this guy right here. I don't know if you can okay. see that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the Blu-ray release. Um, so, uh, the it's it starred uh larry drake as the main character who plays the in this you can see behind us if you're watching the, the video yeah. this scarecrow um he plays bubba 
Bubba Ritter is the main character. That's Larry Drake. Uh, Charles Durning plays uh, the antagonist named Otis P. Hazelrig. Um, and then there are, there are other cast members. But the one standout is um, Mrs. Ritter, who plays Bubba's mother, uh, is Jocelyn Brando, who is Marlon Brando's sister. So that was, that oh, that's was who the, that was. That's that's interesting. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that was Marlon Brando's sister. Um, okay, so originally the movie came out. Rotten Tomatoes gave it a fifty percent uh, score with only six reviews. So that's a little it's a little iffy to to do that uh, to to <laughs> judge whether that's an accurate score. But fifty yeah. percent Rotten Tomatoes. However, um, lots of other uh, reviewers gave it high praise, including a uh, Dread Central which is a, yeah. like a prominent, uh, they gave it a score of 4.5 out of 5, saying it's a spooky masterpiece and praising the film's atmosphere, characters, and subtlety. So a lot of the like the independent reviewers gave it really good, really big thumbs up. One of its other claims to fame is, um, so Aaron, Aaron uh, Crowell, who's the managing editor, editor of Horror Hound magazine, um, wrote that uh, with its 1981 release, Dark Knight of the Scarecrow was the first first feature-length horror film with a scarecrow as its centerpiece. Like a full scarecrows are frightening at any time of day. Yes, exactly. So uh, it surprises me that it took till 1981 to have a scarecrow as the main the main villain, but that's that's what he claims anyway. Um and surprisingly, there was a direct-to-video sequel called Dark Knight of the Scarecrow 2, written and directed by the same writer, uh, J.D. Fiegelson, um, totally different cast, and it takes place 40 years after the event of the original film, and it was just released last year. So it just came oh, out okay. last year. I did not know that. I have not seen it. I don't know if I want to see it, quite honestly, <laughs> but... Uh, anyway, so it did get a it did get a re-release. But anyway, so that's, that's a little bit about what this movie is. So basic plot, uh, Bubba who uh, sort of is a 36-year-old man, but has intellectual disabilities and um, sort of has the mind of a 10-year-old, uh, is blamed for the murder of a, of a little girl. And it takes place in the small town, USA. And 1981, the townspeople are, it's full of these redneck, you know, vigilante-type people who just want justice and want vengeance on Bubba for killing a girl because... They don't like this guy because he's different and there's a lot of bigotry and hatred and they end up yeah. killing him. And then the scarecrow gets his revenge. So the reason I chose this film is because, like I said, I was 10 years old when I watched this and I was not prepared for this movie when I watched it because <laughs> I found it so terrifying, like literally for, well, till now. I mean, it, it, I, it stuck with me. There are certain scenes in this movie that I found so graphic and so disturbing at 10 years old that I could not stop thinking about this movie for years and years and years. So, and, but I hadn't seen it since, well, I mean, I got the Blu-ray in, you know, probably 2012, I guess, or no, I, yeah. I, I think I got it more, much more recently than that. It came out in 2012, um, but I hadn't seen it in, in decades, like a long, long time, probably 35 years it had been since. And it, and it was the first movie that actually terrified me as a kid and it's really stuck with me and apparently that's what happened to a lot of people who watched this movie because um it there are some gr fairly graphic scenes when they when bubba is is executed essentially as he's tied to this uh pole as a thing it's pretty graphic like he's shot 21 times 
and yeah. there's blood and you see him hanging there with blood and bullet holes and it's violent <laughs> it's really especially for a tv so, movie too at the, at the time yes. right like it's yeah but, but the, yeah. I, I, people have to forget too that tv movies are actual movies they're just on like yes. they're just direct it's like direct to video movies are they're just direct to tv right. instead and obviously they have like some limitations not as much now with hbo and all that but back then they're all in networks like cbs or whatever and it's like they had limitations so they couldn't do, yeah. go as far as you would want them to go but it's uh we'll, we'll go through our hits and misses and see what we thought of this movie yes. i watched it and i realized i think i've seen i remember i remember it in some way shape or form it didn't okay. have the impact it had on you but i do there was parts of it. I'm like, I think I've seen this, but I couldn't remember like by the name alone. I didn't think I'd seen it, but something yes. was familiar about it. So I may have seen bits and pieces of it somewhere and I'm okay. not sure where, but yes, so, but when we, when we first talked about it at the time, you didn't think you had, so it did not, it did I, not have I know. And I don't think I even, ha I, I can't tell. I just, some of it looked familiar to me, whether I've seen clips or whatever, I just didn't know um, whether I had or hadn't. So, so let's go through our hits and misses. I'll start with you with a hit because I know you're, raring to go on the hits one of the big hits for me is the way it was shot because it was like it was a made for tv movie but it was shot like a film so there were a lot of intense close-ups of people's faces like camera like pulling in really tight to show like terror in people's eyes and um and like extreme emotion and things like that and that's part of what i loved about this movie was that it you really got a sense of that people were scared and you were, and it was almost claustrophobic because it was the camera came in really tight to, to people's faces a lot, like a, a, on a lot of occasions. Um, and so that was a hit for me, just the way it was shot, the way it was lit was very dramatic. There was a lot of dramatic lighting. A lot of it was shot at night. Um, so there's a lot of dramatic lighting um, and just sort of just visually, I found it really well done for 1983 or sorry, 1981 horror movie um especially one that was was made for the for television so for me the the visuals were part of the impact so that was it that was a hit for me what yeah i had the exact same hit as you I, okay. I i also said it was shot really well it was like i was surprised how well this was shot to be honest yeah. like for yeah. a tv movie like it, it didn't have you know sometimes we've watched some of these and they have that they look all look like an episode of the a-team or something like yes. they just, <laughs> this was actually well shot i'll give you some examples uh, there's right. a, there's the be opening has a shot of a wind a windmill, but it's like a photo, and then it yes. dissolves into like a real one, which looked really. It was a cool looking shot. Um, yeah. but just the shot, it, it's almost terrifying. There's a shot when they find Bubba, and he's he's dressed as the scarecrow, and you see the close up of his face. You can see his eyes, like his yes. just his eyes through there, and it's like, and he's all terrified. That looked so cool. Like that was such a great like, just a, yeah. as an image, it was just so well done. Like it. And I don't know how they did it, but his his head was far enough back, but you could just see eyeballs in it, and it looked it just looked terrifying. And and what was cool about that shot as well is that you couldn't see his mouth. So he there's a mouth hole and two eye holes, but they they covered up his mouth inside there, so all you could see was his eyes. Yeah, so you weren't distracted by his mouth moving or his tongue or whatever like that. So you were just focused on how terrified his eyes were like there was so much terror because he knew that these guys were there with guns in their hands and it was like to me that's one of the most iconic shots in horror was that close-up shot of bubba in the yeah. mask and if you're watching the youtube video you can see the mask behind us so you couldn't see his eye his mouth but you could see his two eyes and it's yeah uh, it, just, it was just such and, it, and the terror in his eyes knowing that 
these guys have found him and he was like he didn't do what they thought he did like so he's he's innocent but they think he's done something like just 100% assumed he had done something they didn't have any evidence and the last shot i loved was yeah. there's a part where um one of the one of the guys that killed him ends up getting put into a wood chipper and yes. they go from the wood chipper to like someone spreading jam like it was just, just a like great like, so, jam. yeah yeah and it was like jam. it was great because you don't see yes. the blood yeah. But you're imagining what's going on, and then it goes right to this goopy red jam or whatever. And it was just a great transition. Yeah, we should point out that so there are four four guys, four of these vigilante redneck bigot guys who kill Bubba. Um, and so there are four deaths. Uh, each one of them is killed. Oh, by the way, I should say there's spoiler alerts. <laughs> We're gonna talk. Oh about yeah. That. Anyway, we won't tell. We won't give all the all the details because you might want to see this. Um, but they're, they're pretty graphic. Like they're pretty graphic deaths, each one of them. But they because again because of TV, they couldn't show blood and gore, um, except for this one scene when Bubba was executed. Um, and, but and you yeah, don't really see him either, which is great. Like he they they see him in a field, like on the like at their homes, and they're like, "What's he doing here?" But then you don't actually see him as the scarecrow really kill anybody. Like. No things happen that get where they get killed but you don't see him specifically doing it so that That's that right. mystery was cool too it was it was really cool but yes that particular scene was i thought was brilliant showing like implying that there was blood and gore with a big gloop of red jam yeah <laughs> that, was awesome. yeah, that was great yeah that was really all right great. i've got i've got like a, a massive miss on this movie all right okay it's not really <laughs> that big a miss but um oh. It, this just annoyed me and i don't know why it was just weird okay so there's four there's four guys that end up killing bubba and they, yeah. they kind of become like a, what do you call that like a renegade posse or whatever like, i don't know what they vigilante were group, like a vigilante group. Yeah, yeah vigilante group all of them had weird hats like every one of them wore a different specific hat and i, I, I don't know why this was so weird so one guy had like a normal like sort of like just baseball hat one guy yeah. had looked like a kid's hat he was like a yes. mechanic and he had like this kind of polka dotted, like, like, un, like ill fitting, like baseball yeah. hat that was kind of to the side. Yeah. They, um, <laughs> one guy had like a, um, almost like a fedora, but one of those smaller ones that you just sort of sit on the back of your head, like, yeah. like a Ralph Cramden one or something, yes. like, just like, and, and then, uh, and then the, the main guy, um, is it Charles Durning? Is that who? Yes. Yeah. He who was, Ot he, Otis. he was Otis. Otis. He was like a, um, uh, like a mailman so he had like almost like a safari hat on yes like but he wore it all the time like yeah. he never had this thing off his head hardly and it yeah. just i'm like why does everybody have to wear weird hats is this the way yeah. we're as an audience member we're supposed to go okay that guy's that guy because he's got the, the 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 polka dotted hat on like it, yeah. like it was just so weird like i don't know why they had to have him in such dumb hats the whole movie like it was very well, distracting i noticed that too. well the red hat that this one guy he, he's a mechanic like he's a car mechanic and he wears this really bad red polka dot hat uh and i think it's i think it's to show sort of like that they're not all there you know what i mean like like he definitely wasn't all there of some yeah, way shape or form they're yeah they're they're trying to be something that they're not i don't know i don't know exactly why but yes you're right they're <laughs> that, that situation was interesting <laughs> it was just a weird choice like i don't know yeah. why they would like okay everybody's got to have a hat it, like a yeah. specific hat. I mean, I'm sure it was talked about. I'm sure they didn't just show up on set and go, "Hey, let's just all have weird hats." Like, I, I think they, they obviously talked about this at some point. Yeah, but I, I think 
Otis's hat was though like that sort of like safari style like yeah, hat. Like I do remember like mailman kind of like wearing that. Yeah, it was like a pith helmet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just bizarre. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. And, yeah. and the fact but, that I no mean, matter I, what time it, sorry, that no matter what time of day it was, he was always in his uniform. Yeah, every to every like all day, all night, no matter where they were, he was always yeah. in that 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 post office uniform. Well, I feel like I feel like though that was on purpose because that. Okay, so here I'm gonna get symbolic here for a second. I feel okay, like yep. he because it's so this is this actually falls into one of my hits. Um okay. so the, this guy, Otis, Otis P. Hazelrig, who's played by Charles Durning, he's the he did a good job. He did an he was awesome. So he he was the one who who gathered the other three to go out and execute Bubba. Um I feel like they put him in this position of authority like he was like the um like a a mailman but he like the postmaster and so but it's a small town so he didn't actually have any authority like he wasn't the law he wasn't police but i think in his head this wearing this uniform made him feel like a big strong man because he's also if you noticed he's also the shortest of yeah of or so he's like a shorter man he's he almost had like napoleon syndrome you know what i mean like little man syndrome the the like i'm smaller than everybody so i've got to like be bigger and so i i feel like it gave him this like sense of power to be like oh, i'm a mailman i've got a professional uniform and you need to respect me even though he was nobody like he was literally just he was he was nobody in this town but i feel like that's what gave him the power to kill uh Bubba, like he was, he was a better person. He's a better human being because I've got the, I've got because he's a government official, essentially, yes. right? Like the post offices, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's he, what he I got... think that was about. Is that you know that gave him authority. Even the, and and the only reason, other reason I say that is because at one point he has a conversation with Bubba's mother after uh, this murder happens, um, and Bubba's mother says something along the lines of. Um, you know, you're not the law. Like he, he was saying, you know, there, you know, don't, don't push me because there will be consequences. And she, she says, you're not the law. Like you don't, you don't have any power. You don't have any. And by, he by, like, <laughs> yeah. And her, the best line she had was, she says, yeah, like the only official thing you've done is lick stamps. Yeah. That was, that exactly. was her line. I love that. Yes. I wrote that line just specifically. Cause I, I thought that was a hilarious line. Like, cause he, yeah. cause they kind of put him down a peg. Cause he kind of like scurried off. Cause he knew, like she's not having it. Like whatever yes. he's dishing out. Like she was like, no, that's nice try. We'll see you later. Like exactly. It's like, and I and I think that that was the point was that he he built himself up in his head as this like authority figure, but he had none. But that was one yeah. of my hits was that he he was so much more unlikable because of that. Like you, he was he was this like you obviously had no power. He was obviously like this redneck you know bigot person who hated. Bubba because of his intellectual disability and you know it just made him even more dislikable <laughs> that he yeah. that he had. so when all of these bad things started happening you kind of you were cheering for these for these bad things to happen because he was so unlikable um but yeah. I think that that was the point so that that was because one of my misses was the fact that he always wore this postal outfit like 24 7 by yeah. like now that we talk about it now that you've said that I'm like yeah okay I can see why because that was that's that was his whole. He had nothing else going for him no. other than no, being part, being the yeah. postal guy. Like 
in, in fact, he 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 lived in a boarding house. Like he didn't even have his own house. Um, part That's of right, the yeah. part of movie happens in this boarding house. So he lives in one room of a boarding house, and he has to come down for dinner when the boarding house person serves dinner. Like he was so nobody that he couldn't even he didn't even have his own home or anything. Yeah. Like he all he had was this uniform. That was all he had to to be important in this town. Um, so yeah. I, I think that that's what it was, is to remind us that this guy, this guy had nothing. He didn't even have friends. Like he didn't have friends. These, these vigilante guys were not his friends. In fact, at one point he told them, like they showed up at his boarding house and he was like, I told you never to come here. Like, don't show up here. But yeah. Bubba did have friends. Like Bubba was friends with this little girl. He had like friendship and love in his life. And it was just this contrast between Bubba and this awful redneck Otis. <laughs> it works on a lot of different levels when you start breaking it down. It's it's actually a quite intelligent movie in that way. Um, yeah. It's it's actually pretty good. Like the, uh, as far as that goes, the, uh, I've had a miss here. This is my only other miss actually, because this movie okay. actually- Well, was here, I'll, I'll put in a miss because I, I, I haven't done a miss yet. This was a pretty big miss, <laughs> quite honestly. So- after the after they execute Bubba, there's a there's a trial. Uh, these four guys are are arrested for killing Bubba, and so they put them on trial. And in the trial, they're acquitted because they don't have any evidence. But no place before that do they say whether they took Bubba off of the stake. Like Bubba's hiding in this in this um, scarecrow costume, and he's tied to a pole like a scarecrow is, and they yeah. shoot him attached to these wooden like this cross that he's that he's on and it they never seem to take him down off of this cross which means that if in the trial it was obvious that they executed him because he was tied up to a cross like if they had said we you know we found him buried in the or we found him lying on the ground or something like that maybe bubba ran at them with a pitchfork or tried to attack them but if he was tied you know. to a tied to a post he couldn't have posed any sort of threat whatsoever yeah so it was obvious that he was executed that these guys are guilty they did this while they they tied him to a post or he had he had tied himself to the post but he was tied to a post and they killed him so that was my only miss was that it was very very clear based on the evidence that we saw in this trial that they executed him but and maybe it was that the rest of the town you know didn't want to you know, they were all sort of redneck people. They didn't want to ruffle feathers. And, you know, we, you know, these are upstanding citizens in our town, so they couldn't have done it. And so let's let them go. I don't know. It was just that the trial scene seemed odd because it was very clear that they executed him. My miss has to do with the trial scene as well. And it was, um, it was, it was like an odd, like piece of the movie, this yeah. whole trial scene, because there's again, like there was things that were unclear in it of like what exactly happened to Bubba, and again, of course, like half of it was that he killed the girl who ended up not dying. Yes, it was almost like someone said, "Oh, we can't kill the girl in this this TV movie; like she's got to live." So then all of a sudden, like, "Oh no, she's alive after all!" Like they kind of mentioned that later. Um, yes, but the one thing I found in it was like the the acting in that scene. There's one person in particular who was like the main lawyer that's against those guys, like the the yes. group group his like really overacted like he yelled every line was yelled and i'm yep. like okay so he's passionate about taking these guys down but there's no backstory on why he hates them so much yep. like there's obviously a personal reason why he doesn't like them 
but he it never mentions why he does it. And he appears, I think, one other time. He just sort of shows up at some point in it. But and I think that was a part of the thing is that the the courtroom scene was too short. Like they they really wanted to. I mean, they only had two hours or an hour and thirty six minutes. And they needed to get to all of this revenge stuff, so they couldn't. But the the trial scene was so short that it left out a lot of information. Like it 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 didn't really make sense because it was like five minutes long like it was it was pretty quick and it you're right it didn't make sense my other miss with the with the um trial scene was so they this vigilante group went to kill bubba because word got out that he had killed this girl and literally like a minute and a half after they executed bubba they get a call on their cb that says oh you know what the girl's she's not dead she's fine we just they just released her from the yeah. hospital and in fact bubba actually saved her life because she was attacked by a dog yeah and so Bubba actually saved her life. So they, so the whole town at this point knew that the girl wasn't dead, that Bubba saved her life because the girl told everybody. Um, and, and yet at the trial, nobody said anything like that. Nobody said, well, why did you have to kill him? Like he didn't do anything. He saved this girl. Like, shouldn't that have been part of the trial? Like, why didn't the girl's parents come to like, come to the stand and say, they killed our they killed the guy who saved our daughter it almost yeah, would have been better if they they kind of took like because this movie is sort of like i know what you did last summer like yes like these coming back and kind of getting them <laughs> um yeah. i think i think what would have been better is if they would have killed him and just buried him and yeah. then and then everybody found out somehow that she had like she was still alive after the fact then they'd be like oh my god like we just killed this guy and yeah. now we can't say anything. We've got him buried somewhere. And like, I think that would have maybe added a little more drama to it. Like yes. rather than the court scene wasn't really necessary. Like I think the fact that they knew that he had saved her and they killed him and buried him. And then no one really knew where he went. And I think might've worked a little bit better, but. Totally. Like, I totally agree. That That's a good point. Like, I think that they should have cut that whole trial scene out. You're right. Like just killed him, buried him. And everybody thought he just disappeared. And then they have to live with the guilt. <laughs> yeah, and that would have brought the stakes up for them too, because they're like, "This guy's yes. killing us, but we can't say anything because we killed him." Like yes. we, like if, if we think it's the same guy, like so, yeah. because um, they, because anyways. the whole town knows that they killed him. Like there was no, yeah, like they're not hiding the fact that they killed Bubba. Like they were on trial for killing him. They they just said they did it in self defense, or they did it, you know, and that was the end of it. So yeah, right. It it kind of lessened the the uh, the the stakes a little bit by putting the trust. They should have watched. I know what you did last summer before they, they shot have. this. I, I they, they should have like you taken some tips from that. But yes, <laughs> I think I, I think I've got like one more hit. I believe. Okay, I've got I've got a few. Oh, I was just gonna say like one of my hits is just like I thought the kills were all cool. We kind of touched on this before, but I love yeah. the like the, like the wood chipper. I love the grain one. Yes. That grain ones. I've I've thought about that before. Like what? Because I've heard of people falling in those grain bins before, and like yes, so. What sandwich. happens in it is that uh, one of the guys hides in a grain bin because he hears some right. stuff like going silo. on, like a silo. Like a silo. Yeah. So he's like, yeah. "Oh my god, there's somebody out there," and he know he thinks it's the scarecrow, but he doesn't even know it's a scarecrow because they haven't seen him yet. So he hides in there, and all of a sudden, it start the whole machine starts up, and grain starts pouring in, and the door's locked, and he can't get out, and. uh I always thought too, like, why don't you just climb the grain as it comes in? But I guess yes. not. It just automatically buries you. Uh, well, I don't think you can. Like, there's nothing to grab. All you would just like keep. It's like quicksand. <laughs> yeah, I guess. You know? Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. he ends up dying. But it was like it was a great death. Like, it was like that's like actually like 
pretty scary right. like if you worked on a farm just generally like let alone like being trapped in there but but there was some good there was some good like ideas for deaths in there that i mean any other movie would have gone a little further with it but the uh um you didn't need to in this like i like the way they did that i thought that was really cool i agree and then same with the wood chipper there was a death with the by a wood chipper and uh he didn't just fall into the wood chipper the guy like fell off a, a balcony in a in a in a barn grabbed onto a light that was there and was dangling from the light right above the wood chipper so like he could only hold on to the light for so long until the light gave out and then the light fell and he went into the wood chipper so it and but they they like lingered on him like screaming and dangling from this light long enough that it was terrifying like he knew yeah this was coming like it's not like it was an instant thing he saw that this was it was terrible like the it, it was really well conceived like the deaths were really i thought they were really well conceived i thought that yeah, was, it, was, I thought, it was it was well done that part was well done yeah um so i've got i think only one or two more here um one of uh one of my hits was i felt like this felt to me like an Alfred Hitchcock movie um, because Otis, the, the main antagonist guy, kept having to commit more crimes to cover up the crime that he had done. So at one yeah. point, he accidentally kills Bubba's mother. She has a heart attack when he like comes into her his her house and threatens her and so he had to then he then he had to deal with that so he ends up blowing up the house that she's in to cover up that crime um and then a little later on uh one of his other vigilante guys uh sort of breaks and can't handle this anymore and wants out so he ends up killing his his vigilante guy but then he so then he has to bury him to get rid of that so it felt like a very hitchcock sort of story um and yeah. you know you commit a crime but then you have to keep committing crimes to cover up the crime that you've committed it it felt like classic horror to me like yeah. it was it wasn't just straightforward you know murders it was like this guy dealing with all of his like anxiety and like oh my god this tension i've done a bad thing i've got to now i've done another bad thing <laughs> so yeah the, the psychology like, was was really well yes. done in that like considering too they didn't even know what was coming after them and they hadn't seen anything yet but it was the, the thought of something coming after them was almost more scary to them than yes. like they're, they're on high alert like all the time and those other guys are like dude we got to say something or do something here because and he's like, no, 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 we're gonna cover. And he just kept covering up and covering. Up. I love that. I think that was yeah. great. Yeah, and that was the that was the thing is that they didn't know like all through the movie they were trying to figure out who it was that was causing all these accidents. Is it the the um like the prosecutor in the courtroom who kept saying, you know, I need to find evidence. I'm gonna take you guys down. They're thinking maybe it's him. Maybe he's setting all this up. Maybe it's Bubba's mother who's who's causing all these accident accidents. Maybe it's the little girl. Like they had no idea. And so, yeah. you know, it was just this like total tension that that they would have been feeling like, oh, my God, what's going on here? So, uh, you know, there was there was that. And so um, I've got one more one more hit. Uh, okay. and that was the final scene in the movie uh, was pure nightmare fuel. <laughs> it was literally a really quick scene. And again, spoiling, you should watch this movie before you watch this pod, the podcast, because the very last scene sort of shows that it was Bubba in this uh, scarecrow costume. It was the scarecrow that was killing everybody. But there's a scene where the, the little girl has been talking to Bubba 
through the whole thing, like the ghost of Bubba, through this whole thing. And at the very end, um, after he's killed the Otis, the the main guy, the the camera shoots the scarecrow, and the scarecrow's head just turns to the girl and and stares directly into the camera. So like this empty like potato sack, like you can see if you're watching the video yeah. behind this empty potato sack with no eyes in it anymore. Because Bubba's just just the ghost of Bubba, just turns to the to the camera, and it's just like this like 10 second scene that I just feel like is so terrifying because it's just like <laughs> and then and then the movie essentially ends with one more scene after that but it's just that last scene where Bubba's head turns yeah that's camera. a great scene that's good that was, was really awesome. cool yeah I just thought that was I think that was really well done <laughs> so, I, so I think like I from this whole thing I, I think we, obviously this stood up like I think for so. a TV movie I thought it was fantastic I love like Everything in this movie, from the music, was great in it to yes. the to to like the the just the atmosphere. And then we talked about the psychology of like when you really look at these characters. Like, I mean, it's got it, it does it has a an older look to it, obviously because it's an older movie. But I thought everybody did a great job in it, um, other than the hats um, and the uh, <laughs> other than that, just a cool plot. Like again, it's like it's kind of like I know what you did last summer a little bit, but it's a. Uh, um, obviously this came out before that, but it was just it was just a great story. I'm surprised it wasn't made into a feature like movie. Like, I mean, other than CBS buying the script, but it, it could have easily been one. Well, and I was thinking about that. I was thinking this is I don't think that they could make this movie today because essentially it's it's about a man with an intellectual disability who's friends with who's a friends with a little girl and is is a good person, but it, there's so much hatred towards him and they end up killing him i just i feel like there would be a lot of backlash today because i mean the other thing with this movie is that um uh larry oh what's his name who played bubba uh larry drake who played bubba who also went on to play dr giggles uh later on in the 80s I okay um he obviously didn't have an intellectual disability uh so he was yeah, portraying yeah. somebody who did so today that wouldn't fly <laughs> like that's yeah. you do that so i just i don't this was a movie very much of its time because you couldn't i don't think it would be possible to do this this sort this movie like remake this movie yeah I though i think at the time they handled that character well actually like yeah. they didn't like no one was like making fun of him no. there's just that like they were scared of him because they didn't know what he was like they yes. didn't know how to handle them, like, and which is actually like a sign of today too, right? Like people that don't know, don't understand somebody else, they automatically have different like things that, that they don't like. And I just, I think I that's I love that in this movie, and that they they're almost ahead of their time in the way, like, the way they portrayed this group of people, like that just yes. didn't know anything, so they just assume that there's something bad about him, even though they didn't know know him as a person, and then that's they right. didn't want to I know. Totally, him. I I totally agree. Because in fact, at one point, the mother said, he's got the mind of a 10-year-old. He loves children because he's got the mind of a 10-year-old. That's all. He is the redneck, yeah, the, the redneck guys say, he's a 36-year-old man. He's mature. Like, they just, they don't understand it. Like, they don't understand yeah. that you know, just because you're 36 years old and you're six feet tall, that doesn't mean that you're the same as me. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. they just, you're right. And so... So it made it made their the revenge even more sweet because <laughs> you yeah. kind of want to, you know, it, it just it, it was it was good payback, I thought. 
but uh but yeah, yeah i thought that was i thought that was great and uh yeah i i, I totally think it holds up I, i've watched it actually 100 holds up it's something that if you haven't seen it it's definitely worth watching i thought like i yeah. it was it really surprised me to be honest i was like this is actually pretty good i like i was engaged with the whole thing i was like okay what's gonna happen now like i was right into it the uh yeah. it, it was well done but yes. uh but anyways great pick that was a, that was an awesome pick good way to good. finish off the season let me just let me just say if you do want to watch this movie um it is available on shutter um but it's also available for free on youtube <laughs> the oh whole is it movie, really yeah yeah the whole movie is available on youtube so you don't have to buy it you can watch the whole movie uncut uh on youtube or if you've got shutter you can watch it there the one on shutter is the re the remastered version the 30th yeah, anniversary it's good. it looks yeah. really clean and nice um i don't know if the youtube one is but but it's there so if you if you it would be way better quality it, on on uh for sure on shutter yeah. so and i think we'll we'll post that before we post this so that you can try to watch it because we did spoil the whole movie pretty much <laughs> yeah pretty much but you know it, it's still worth watching like there's so much there's other stuff that you haven't that we haven't talked about that's in it too which I found really interesting. So it was, it yeah. was, it, it was well done. It was really well yeah. done. So, totally, um, totally but yeah, well great done. way to end off this season for sure. Um, yeah. So we have, uh, so this is season five. We'll move into season six in hopefully oh, September. September. Well, that's, that's the plan September. Yeah. So we'll try to beat the number of episodes. Uh, what do we do? I think we did. I think we talked about this 11 episodes yes. this season. Yeah, so I think, I think we'll, I think we'll try most, to, I think for season one, we did maybe 15. Does that sound right? Okay. To you? Think, yeah, yeah so sounds about right. Yeah, so we were so doing we're, them every two weeks back then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, we we did not too bad this year, but we'll we'll try to up it next year. This is the this is the most we've done in a while. Like because I think last season we only did like seven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, we decided to actually improve our our score this year. <laughs> next year we got something bigger to strive for. So we're. We're gonna we're gonna be there for you. You're gonna get all the good geeky yeah, stuff. All the uh, and again. Check our socials out and send us if there's a movie you think we should be checking out from the eighties that you remember. And you're like, Oh, you guys got to do this. Send it to us. Cause I'd love to like see what other people are sending and we can try some of those movies as well. Like, cause we, we just take wild stabs at stuff like sometimes, or just sometimes yes. there's stuff that really like means a lot to us, but um, yeah, just uh, movies, TV shows, whatever. Let's, let's, let's hear them. I'd love to hear that. So uh, thank you so much for joining us this season. We are, Back again, I guess, in September, uh, season six. And I'm looking forward to it. And uh, we're taking the summer off. So uh, we'll, we'll see you in a couple months. Thanks for watching. Loop and Larry, Guardians of Geek. Bye-bye. Produced by Matthew C. Loop and Lawrence Simner. A Loop and Larry production. Bueller. He likes it. Hey, Mikey. Bueller. Bad news. Fog is getting thicker. And Leon's getting larger. Inconceivable. Brian's right. It's an elf. Wax on. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? Oh, Captain, my Captain. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Wax off.